Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast, the week of May 24th, fast approaching Memorial Day weekend, looking forward to it, also approaching the hounds being unleashed in the recruiting game. Uh, Dabo's camp coming up, Paul Strelo has been on top of just about everything, doing a fantastic job as always, check his stuff out at TigerIllustrated.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith and Archenhold, call 864-990-4581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experience team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Okay, to our conversation with Drew Butler, former Georgia Bulldog. Going to talk a lot of Georgia Clemson opener you might have heard about. Also, a lot of the name, image, and likeness stuff, which Drew is heavily involved in. Really interesting conversation here, and I hope enlightening as well. Here we go. Enjoy. Okay, joined by Drew Butler of Icon Source, former Georgia Bulldog. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to chatting with you. A lot to talk about. Plenty going on around college football and, and also with uh, the big week one matchup between Clemson and Georgia. It's going to be a, a great summer leading up to kickoff weekend. Yeah, for sure. It feels great just to be able to write about the coming season being kind of a certainty <laughs> as opposed to yeah, last year yeah. where you're like okay, maybe no season, and what in the world am I going to talk about and write about from from, from August to, to January? Um, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Last year, the uncertainty that started swirling around college football, really when people were just trying to figure out if we were going to have a season or not, um, you know, it was hectic. It was stressful. I, I love college football. You clearly love college football. It's part of your livelihood. And there was a reason why the institutions – and the powers that be pushed it forward to make sure that college football was played last year. And obviously with the lack or the, the, the small amount of health issues concerned around the pandemic that happened, I give a lot of credit for them pushing along and making sure they did it in a safe way. So, uh, first of all, I gotta, I guess I have to apologize for a, a, a semi butt dial that I, <laughs> I caught you. I guess it was maybe Friday morning. I woke up, I have a Bluetooth, uh, I have Jaybird uh, earphones that I, I listen to podcasts at night because they help me sleep. 
I wake up at like 5.20 a.m. to somehow I'm, I'm listening to your voicemail um, coming through my phone, and I'm like, oh, dear, this is a problem. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, kind of kind of creepy to have a another a, a media member calling you at 5.18 in the morning, so I apologize for that. That's okay. As long as you weren't listening to my podcast with Aaron Murray punting past that puts you to sleep, then um, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you for sure. <laughs> well, it's not the quality uh, of the podcast that, that put me to sleep because I've listened to some really good ones, and it doesn't matter. I think it's just the taking your mind off of whatever you're thinking about. Uh, somehow that, that does it for me. How long have you been doing that podcast with Aaron? We're going into our fifth season, uh, this fall. It's been a lot of fun. You know, we started in 2017. I had just got done playing in the NFL and Aaron had just signed his first contract with CBS sports. So, um, you know, I had done some media work in the past, even while I was playing, I actually wrote for Roddy Navolsi, who's the publisher of UJSports.com, George's Rivals Network page. Uh, I hosted their syndicated radio show called Dog Dial for a number of years. And then I kind of saw a unique opportunity for us, Aaron and I, uh, to jump into the podcasting space and really talk about college football from the perspective of recent former players. So, you know, we had played for and against these coaches in these stadiums uh, among these rivalries. And, and I think we had a real opportunity to tell the fans what they wanted to hear. And that just happened to be Georgia's best year in a long time. They were number one throughout the season. They went to the national championship after beating Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. You know, they beat Auburn in Atlanta during the SEC championship. They played Alabama in Atlanta for the national championship. Um, and it was awesome. We did live podcasts. We were selling out bars and restaurants. Uh, so we had a ton of fun. We've got a great uh, listenership and audience. And whoever's out there listening, if you want to add on a podcast for college football season, Aaron and I's podcast is called Punt and Pass. You can go to puntandpass.com. Um, we touch on everything, mostly SEC football. But as the season progresses, we really kind of ratchet it up and, and cover the games that are going to really affect the college football playoff rankings. So we really enjoy it. And y'all do that during the season only? We do. We do it during the season. We will, we will kick it up during fall camp and get everybody ready for the season. So, all good. Um, and what, what, do you, what do you feel like former players who have been uh, in the belly of the beast, so to speak, can offer that sort of just media schmoes like me can't? Well, I wouldn't consider you a media schmo. Um, I think as Judge Smales said, or was it uh, Ty Webb, he said, you're a tremendous slouch. Don't sell yourself shortly. Um, Caddyshack reference yeah, for you. Yeah, so yes. But, you know, I think Aaron and I really, we just like to talk as we would if we're sitting at home watching a game together or in the locker room after a game together, specific instances in situational football, drawing back on situations that we had while we were playing understanding what some coaches call in certain areas understanding why a play call would have been made when the public is scratching their head saying why would you do that um you know we've been in those positions and and aaron big time as a quarterback i mean he's seen it all and he watches a ton of tape obviously breaking down games for cbs sports network so i really enjoy asking him questions we love to get our audience as involved as possible And just explain to them, you know, the game, how we see it, drawing off circumstances that we've been a part of and then drawing that back to the fans and listeners to to help them understand what's happening from week to week 
and maybe what to expect when we preview some games on our Thursday episodes. So you played at Georgia from 7 to 11? That's correct. So I guess you played with Stafford? I did. I played with Matthew Stafford. Um, I played with Sean Marino, A.J. Green, Justin Houston, uh, a lot, a lot of NFL talent. So we had a lot of fun. Um, 07 and 08 were, were really good years. And then 2011, my senior year, uh, we won 10 games in a row, won the SEC East, and played in the SEC Championship against LSU. You know, it's interesting in the current sort of uh, landscape of elite college football, sort of what what you have to have, I think it's been established in recent years um, more than ever, is, is the ability to throw and catch um, probably more so than the defense wins championships or you got to have a physical running game or whatever. And, you know, Georgia clearly has, has, has been lacking that to an extent or to the extent of, of winning a championship. But you think back at, at Stafford and if he were around now, wow, that'd be, I mean, that's what you, what you need. And I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but back then it was more <clears throat> traditional, uh, traditional building championships on more traditional sort of uh, uh, methods, you know, defense and running game, like I said. So any, any, does that strike you as well that, you know, he, he was the type of quarterback who you kind of need now um, who, who can really deliver you a national title? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, look at what the Los Angeles Rams did just to get him in the building as he's going into his 10th or 11th year. I mean, his arm strength is elite. His football knowledge is, is probably unmatched. And the ability to get him in a system in Los Angeles with Sean McVay as the head coach and tons of weapons around him. I mean, they're obviously putting everything in the middle of the table, hoping that they can deliver a championship in the next two years. Um, you know, the Rams cap issue is it's not a secret to anybody, but if you have the pieces in place, it's better to try to attack when you have it there rather than try to chase it down the road. If you were to put Matthew in a college system now with the level of creativity that these coaches have and the recruiting aspects of getting just tons and tons of playmakers, he, he would have been uh, an absolutely fantastic quarterback. And he, and he was when he was in, in college at Georgia. But yeah, back then it was pro style offenses, I formation, run the ball, play action, um, and then rely on your defense. So you know, just different horses for courses, I guess you could say. But, you know, college football specifically has changed so much over the years. And it's just been really fascinating to watch. You better keep up or you're going to get left in the dust. You know, it's interesting, sort of the evolution of Georgia's offense, not just under Kirby, but Mark Richt as well. At Florida State, Richt was, I mean, they were pioneers of fast break spread stuff. And at Georgia, it seemed like it it turned into or maybe it even started with just more of the more of the conventional stuff um and then even under kirby it's been similar to that as well i guess not recently because it seems like monken is 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 really doing some creative things do you have any overall thoughts on the, the evolution of the georgia offense like why under rick did it did it sort of was more conventional than than perhaps at florida state when they were sort of uh, setting trends of, of offensive football? Yeah, I think it's probably just an overall coaching thesis and then who Coach Rick surrounded himself with. You know, early in his career, offensive coordinator was Neil Calloway, offensive line background. Uh, you know, then Coach Bobo came in, and Coach Bobo obviously had a lot of experience as quarterback at Georgia running more so of a pro-style offense. 
And, and I think still to this day, I mean, if you can run the football and, and win the line of scrimmage, you're going to have an immediate advantage as soon as the ball is kicked off. You know, everybody says, well, you have to run to be able to pass and you have to be able to pass to, to run. And I, and I do believe that, right? If you come out shotgun formation five wide, I mean, you better start being able to pass and then the run game opens up, right? Or if you're a play action team and you like to ground and pound, you're going to have to get three yards in the cloud of dust consistently to be able to have that second level of the defense bite on a play action and then convert some chunk yardage plays. Uh, I think you continue to see that. I mean, there's no doubt with however explosive an offense wants to be, however creative an offense wants to be, there's going to come a point in the game, most likely a pivotal point in the game, where you're going to need to get three yards, whether to get a first down and continue to run the clock or whether to control ball possession and, and eat up some time of possession to keep that other offense off the field. So, you know, it's clearly interesting to see who George is recruiting now. You know, Todd Munkin and his ability going back to his days at Oklahoma State open this thing up, but, but you need to have the right players there. Georgia's had some attrition at wide receiver throughout the offseason. It seems like they're going to be relatively healthy going into week one. I know George Pickens will be sorely missed. And, yeah, JT Daniels is a phenomenal talent. But if he's not standing upright and if the offensive line can't get him any protection, well, then he won't be able to pass and they won't be able to run because they won't be able to move anybody. So I think it all starts at the line of scrimmage. I think successful coaches know that. Yeah, look at Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin, what they were able to do at Alabama. Sure, they've had tons of first-round talent, skilled players drafted. Also look at the amount of offensive linemen they've had drafted in the first round. There's no secret to football. You have to win the lines of scrimmage, and then everything else opens up around it. Yeah, it's a good point. The, the, the passing and catching thing, while surely important, more important than ever, it's probably overstated in that, like you said, the lines of scrimmage, I mean, that bore out in the most recent playoff you know, Clemson comes rolling into the to the Sugar Bowl. Well, they can't block, <laughs> and they and, and they're getting and they're getting plowed off the ball by Ohio State's offensive line. They don't have a chance with the best quarterback in a long time uh, and the best running, but maybe arguably the best running back in college football, Travis Etienne. And then Alabama. I guess they didn't really run wild over Ohio State, but they protected Mac Jones like he was never touched all year. So you're right; it's still very uh, very important what happens on the line of scrimmage. Um, you see Georgia, you see, I mean, I look at them, I think we had Cole Kubelik on uh, a few weeks ago. He was in Athens for the spring game and he said they just look different than, than, than normal. Um, and I see that as well. Do you see just the stature of this team? Is it, it is it the most imposing that you can recall in Athens in, in, in quite a while? No question. Um, I mean, I've seen them up close and personal. Um, I've seen the size of their offensive line. I mean, I played in the NFL for five years. They're bigger or just as big as any NFL offensive line that I had the chance to play with. I mean, these guys are absolutely behemoths. And I think it just goes to show the development at Georgia and how much that's changed really in the past couple of years, not only since Kirby Smart's been there, but Coach Scott Sinclair, their director of strength and conditioning, is a, is a brilliant developmental coach getting these guys in understanding their bodies knowing from a personal level what him and his staff have to do to, to best situate them to grow into being dominant sec football players and look at matt luke i mean matt luke the offensive line coach at georgia right now uh, head coaching experience at ole miss very very highly respected from everybody that i've talked to who either played with him or for him at ole miss uh, you know, having that type of talent on your coaching staff to understand how to best utilize guys 
is huge. You know, I, I'm one of the guys who's always said, well, I'm not going to buy into recruiting because I believe development is just as important. But it's no secret that if you have more five stars than not, you're going to have a better chance to succeed. What those coaches do with the five stars when they show up on campus is a whole different story. And Georgia's coaching staff really is rock solid. They, they understand how to get these guys in position. And this year coming up more so than ever, really, it's time to look at the coaching staff and say, guys, I mean, look at the, the stable of horses that you have on this team. Let's figure out a way to help them and, and let, let them play fast and free and then see the chip, see where the chips fall come this fall. Can you give sort of a finger on the pulse of, of what the average reasonable Georgia fan thinks of, of Kirby Smart right now? Because on one hand, I think the record is 52 and 14. Um, national title game appearance, you know, arguably, you know, should have won that game, you know, if you don't give up a, uh, a that heave on, on second and 26. Um, program is in really good shape. But on the other hand, uh, you know, there's that sort of long-term effect of, I think, rivals had the, they ranked the, uh, the, the, the most highly rated rivals classes of the last 20 years, Georgia's number one, which is kind of like, whoa, like how did they, you know, not have a, a championship? And then there's, you know, losing to, to Alabama in, in, in such close fashion so many times. What the average Georgia fan, what's the sentiment toward Kirby Smart? Is it, boy, we got to win this year? Or is it more of, okay, I'm happy with the overall shape of the program and we're going to get ours eventually if we keep loading up on all these highly regarded recruiting classes. I mean, I think any reasonable Georgia fan would know that there's just one thing standing in the way of coach Kirby smart. And that's Alabama. I mean, Kirby's done just about everything in his short tenure at Georgia, except knock down the, the Titan, which is Nick Saban. And he's been damn close. And everybody knows that. I mean, two of the three games in which he's played coach Saban, Georgia's absolutely dominated until the last two minutes, and that's in the SEC championship in 2018 and, of course, the national championship the year prior. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody is disappointed by any stretch of the imagination as to what Kirby has been able to accomplish thus far at Georgia. Recruiting is the best that it's ever been. Obviously, the support he has from our athletic department is top-notch. I think the most important thing that Kirby's gotten from everybody is to buy in. The athletic department's bought in. The student athletes have bought in. The coaches have clearly bought in and the fans buy in as well. You know, there is one consistent messaging throughout the Georgia fan base and dog nation all fall. And I find that very refreshing. You know, now it's just time to look at the belly of the beast and say, you got to beat Nick Saban and you got to beat Alabama. Cause if you do, everything else is going to fall into place. If that would have happened years prior, he would have that national championship and that storyline and that narrative would be already gone. Um, I think he's got a real fantastic opportunity to continue to do that. And he's young, right? I mean, he is a young head football coach. He's continuing to get experience in situational situations, uh, situational football, excuse me, in big time spots and championship games. And Georgia competes for a college football playoff spot annually. Uh, that is what it takes to get over the hump and, and there's no doubt that, that will happen. Um, I just think any Georgia fan, myself included, you know, as soon as August creeps up, you're sitting there going, this is the year, you know, you look at the roster, you look at the schedule, you look at what you have at your disposal and you say, we've got to do it. The time is now. Uh, and I think everybody looks forward to that. And that's the beauty of being a Georgia fan for sure. So there won't be <clears throat> just hypothetically 
if they lose to Clemson by 10 points, I'll use an, an Athens music-related uh, description here. There won't be widespread panic uh, <laughs> among among Georgia fans if, if that were to happen. You know, I think if it's a competitive game and in the in at the end of the game Georgia were to lose by 10 points or two touchdowns or maybe lose on a last-second field goal, no. But if Georgia's uncompetitive, which I definitely would not expect – then of course I think Georgia fans would be upset and that wouldn't matter who the head coach is at that point. Um, and I, and from my own experience, when you have a big game in week one, the general feel around fall camp and, and right now strength and conditioning all through the summer, it's different. You know, you're gearing up, you're getting ready to roll. I mean, you are intense zoom focus. You understand the magnitude of the situation and you mentioned Georgia losing, but if Georgia were to win and, and I would expect them to, you know, it's off to the races. I mean, you have a massive leg up for the remainder of the season, and you can really take it one week at a time, which is a great opportunity. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I read last night that we're expecting it to be full capacity in Charlotte. Um, you know, I wish this was a home and home. I know the Velk Bowl gets their situation ready to roll, and, and they got the kickoff classic. But uh, what a great rivalry, and this game's going to be awesome, 730 kickoff that first weekend. So here in, in late May, you, you like Georgia in that game? I do. I like Georgia. I love their defense. Um, their defensive line is fantastic. And, and everybody talks about you know youth at the secondary or maybe some inexperience at linebacker. If you get to the quarterback and you're able to pressure the quarterback and stop the run by bringing four down defensive linemen, uh, those secondary players look a lot better. And, and those linebackers are able to play a bit faster. I love JT Daniels. I think the offensive line does have a tall task at hand. Uh, but if the offensive line and Matt Luke can have a great game plan to get rid of the ball quickly, establish the run a little bit, get some misdirection or play action going, I think this is going to be a four-quarter fight. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination one team is going to run away with it. But as it stands right here in late May, yeah, I like Georgia right now. And I don't think there's any reason not to. And I think the exact same argument could be made for Clemson. We'll see how it uh it continues to matriculate as August rolls around. For somebody who hasn't watched Georgia much, what would you say Todd Monken has brought that offense like that you like most that they didn't have perhaps before? Well, you know, it's tough to judge it on a year ago because of the quarterback situation. Um, you know, a little bit of a carousel there, not sure who was going to start. And then when JT was healthy enough to get in later on in the season, you just saw consistency. You t- you saw intentional game plans. Uh, I think you saw efficiency in the first 15 plays that were called. It would really set the tempo for how the rest of the game would go. Uh, JT clearly got great working strides with his wide receivers and tight ends as the season went on, and that's only going to continue to improve as he has the starting role moving into the 2021 season. So, you know, he is going to be a top player in, in college football. You look at James Cook and Zeus White, the two tailbacks. I mean, those guys are absolutely explosive. They bring two different styles of play. And again, you know, you have that much talent around. You you have a lot at your fingertips, and you're able to kind of ebb and flow with the game plan and base your play calling off of what the defense is presenting you. So let's get into um, what you're doing right now. Uh, you, you work at Icon Source, which, um, I mean, you'll, you'll have a better description than I, but it basically is going to facilitate the new NLI, or I'm sorry, name, image, likeness landscape, uh, working between the, the athletes and the people who are going to be sponsoring them in various ways. Can you maybe give your, uh, your, 
your, your summation of, of exactly what you're doing and, and what yeah, icon source is? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, that is correct. I joined Icon Source earlier this year. I'm the executive vice president of their collegiate division, so I'm running the college platform. And what we are is an on-demand digital marketplace. So you hear a lot of names when you when when NIL gets um, talked about. There are specific companies that work directly with the universities. There are education and consulting groups. There are brand building and marketing groups. There are disclosure and monitoring groups. We are none of those. We don't work directly with the universities. We have no official contract or transaction with the universities because we're the marketplace. We are bringing brands and student athletes together to facilitate endorsement deals in a safe, secure, and transparent manner. We are compliance officer's best friend. We are giving the universities a platform for their student athletes to create a profile and giving a platform to brands, whether they're hyper-local like those in the Clemson area or regional, Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville, to national, Coca-Cola, Delta, any big-name brand that wants to engage a student athlete and present them with an endorsement opportunity, they can do that at Icon Source, and we take all that information and disclose it to the university's requested disclosure destination. So we're a conduit. You know, we are not a middleman by any stretch of the imagination. We are providing that software platform where brands can feel safe and student athletes are protected to actually facilitate endorsement deals. We're tackling the main issue of NIL, and that's getting these student athletes paid the right way. Whether it's a $50 deal or a $50,000 deal, it needs to be disclosed and it needs to be done the right way. And that's the business that Chase Garrett has built starting back in 2018. Uh, we have a professional side of Icon Source, which has been rocking and rolling since 2019. We have over 2,000 professional athletes on the platform, uh, top agencies across the country like CAA, Wasserman, IMG. They utilize the platform, and high-profile brands do deals on our platform every single day. It just so happened that Chase had the perfect software that would allow student athletes to have a great destination to facilitate their NIL endorsement deals. And that's what we're doing right now, engaging with the student athletes, letting the universities know that we come in peace and reaching out to brands saying, Hey, when this light turns green on July one and you've never worked with an athlete before, and you've never had the chance to engage with a student athlete before, come on over to icon source and we'll give you the most efficient and secure way to do it. All right, so just for in layman's terms, like let's let's talk about maybe like a practical TikTok of like if I'm JT Daniels and say uh, Taco Mac or somebody wants uh, wants me to do a wants wants to sponsor me in some fashion like a a JT burrito or something like that. Um, okay, where where does take me from take me from the very beginning of how 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 that happens like the play-by-play and, and how you guys are involved yeah absolutely so you know icon source is built to relieve the burden of the student athletes right give the excedrin to compliance because this migraine is going to come in full force happen anytime soon so jt was on icon source and he had a profile and say taco mac did reach out to him and say hey jt we're very interested in creating an endorsement opportunity for you 
and our business. JT in a perfect world, while on Icon Source, would say, That sounds great. Please go find me on Icon Source. That's where I do all my deals. That way he knows he's protected by a contract that's going to protect his eligibility and best interests. Icon Source is going to actually ensure the transaction so JT doesn't have to go chase down a payment. And then we are going to send all that information to Georgia's compliance or their disclosure software, whichever they tell us to do. So JT and Taco Mac would have an authentic real rela- uh, co- uh, communication Excuse me, on Icon Source. Taco Mac could speak directly to JT or whoever is representing him. They could create an opportunity for JT through our algorithm and through our machine learning, which when it's presented to JT, it's already 80% hammered out. The legal looks good because it's been passed off and given thumbs up by all the top agencies in America. And then JT can negotiate the high-level deal points with Taco Mac. Hey, I'd rather do this many appearances instead of this many. Hey, I'd rather get paid this much instead of this much. Hey, will you include travel if I have to travel? Those types of deal points that are up to the athlete and the brand, they can be negotiated on our platform. When they do sign the deal, a legal document is provided to protect both sides. We ensure the transaction. JT gets paid. All that deal information gets sent back to the university so they can disclose it. And JT doesn't have to worry about any of that. Now, if JT weren't on Icon Source, okay, and Taco Mac reached out to him and said, JT, we're interested in an endorsement deal. JT would go, okay, that sounds great. You know, please send me a contract. J- Taco Mac sends JT a contract. Hopefully, JT reads it. Uh, maybe his representative reads it. If JT did read it, hopefully Taco Mac didn't slip in on page six that Taco Mac is owed JT's first year's NFL salary. Okay, <laughs> so JT works with Taco Mac. Say he does the brand ambassador deal. He posts on his TikTok or social media, and then Taco Mac says, okay, we'll pay you in five weeks. So JT's done it. Now he hasn't been paid. JT's got a game to w- worry about. He's got practice to go to. He still hasn't been paid by Taco Mac. Again, these are all hypotheticals. So now JT has to, one, read the contract on his own, make sure that nothing gets slipped in, find legal help if he wants to really be protected. Two, go chase down a payment from a large, very regional brand that's got a million other things going on, and and so does JT as he is a student-athlete quarterback at Georgia. And three, now, so JT says he does get the contract, so he does have to go chase down that payment, and he finally gets paid. He has to take all of that information manually and disclose it himself, either giving it to Georgia's compliance or manually inputting it into a software disclosure platform, which is just going to take up a lot of time. Right. I mean, student athletes have so much on their plate. Different states have different laws as to when these deals have to be disclosed. They have to be disclosed prior. They have to be disclosed in real time. We want to relieve the burden for the student athlete. If they utilize icon source, they are sending brands to a platform to where they know they're going to be protected. They know they're going to be paid and they don't have to worry about the heavy lifting of doing disclosure on their own. We understand that student athletes are one very smart. But two, they have a lot on their plate. They've got practice. They've got school. They've got study hall. They've got tutors, film sessions, weights, regular college life. The last thing any student athlete wants to do is have to carve out 30 minutes or an hour to bring in paperwork, upload contracts, file payment processing, and tell the university all the action that they have going on. We want to provide that efficiency for them, and we want to protect them in the same manner. And then you guys, I guess, of course, get a cut of whatever, whatever. That's right. We charge a service fee and the brands also pay a service fee. 
Um, you know, the benefit for a guy like JT Daniels is if he did a million dollars worth of deals on icon source, we're going to send him one single form 1099 at the end of the year. You know, we have all that back office accounting, which is going to provide JT the information that he needs. Uh, you know, we have all those contracts and the payment processing to make sure that JT is best taken care of. And then the brands understand the efficiency as well. So the brands pay a little bit of a premium to do the deal on our platform, knowing that they are going to be playing by the rules and doing it the right way. Uh, that's the bonus of working on Icon Source and, and on our professional side. Every single brand that has done a deal through our platform with a pro athlete has come back and done it again. So we have a great retention rate, lots of positive feedback from top agents and top athletes on the professional side. And brands love it, and we can't wait to see the great feedback from hyper-local brands in this college NIL opportunity opens up. I know that Clemson works with Open Doors. Are you guys similar to them, or are they more geared toward the branding of the individual athletes and, like, you know, Taylor and their social media feeds with a bunch of videos and, and pictures and things like that, or is it is it different? Yeah, absolutely. Open Doors is a fantastic company, and they do exactly that, and they also help educate these student athletes on what's going to happen when these laws change and how they can best position themselves and how they can best protect themselves. We are just a marketplace, and that is why we are in a, such a unique position as this new industry opens up on July 1. Keep in mind, like I said earlier in the interview, Chase Garrett founded this company in 2018. They've worked with professional athletes daily since 2019. This is not just some company being spun up out of the dust to try to take advantage of the new NIL wild, wild west. And we want to work with those companies that do provide for the universities and that are paid by the universities. We are a true complement. We can work with anybody. We're agnostic. We would hope Open Doors would see our platform and go, wow, Icon Source really gets it. We would be able to disclose that information to Open Doors if needed. And then we can go from there and provide value for everybody. Provide value for Open Doors because they're going to have a streamlined process for their student athletes. Provide value for the university because they're going to know where their student athletes are going to do deals and get all that information in as close to real time as possible. And provide value for the student athlete, most importantly. Because we're going to protect them and we're going to get them paid the right way. Again, going back to the main issue at hand, student athletes are now able to be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. That is the rule change. The rule change is not student athletes can now be educated on how to be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. So we want companies like Open Doors, like Influencer, like Altia Sports Partners, like Compass CLC to educate these student athletes. Let them know what is happening them to understand these rule changes and then come on over to icon source so you can finally capitalize and realize on your name image and likeness you know there's a lot of uh angst and fear out there about what's coming uh clemson's ad dan radikovich uh we had an interview with him a few weeks ago and he said it's going to be a completely different world you know one of the things i hear uh, you know assorted fears is uh, you know oh my gosh these well, they're going to have to pay taxes. Well, yep. yeah, they, they they would pay taxes on their earnings just like a, a student who bartends or waits tables <laughs> does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that complicated to pay taxes, you know, or do a 1099. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. These student athletes, this is a real welcome to the real world moment for them, you know. Um, name, image, and likeness will be a meritocracy. This is capitalism, and we understand that. I'm not saying that 
only 1% of people are going to benefit? No. I mean, that's why Icon Source was built to provide for 99% of athletes and 99% of brands to facilitate endorsement deals with people that can speak authentically about these brands and really drive awareness and provide two way value for everybody involved. But yeah, if you make over, what is it? I think the federal, uh, is $600. I believe if you make more than $600, you're gonna have to report on your taxes. So we want to give the student athlete that benefit as well to say, Hey, guess what? At the end of the year, icon source is going to provide you with that single form 1099. So then you can take it to your accountant or you can take it to taxslayer.com or TurboTax and do it yourself and make sure that you are an upstanding citizen paying your taxes and doing things the right way. And that's where those groups who are engaging directly with the universities and educating these student athletes will provide value. And that's why the universities are paying them so much money to help these student athletes. We want to empower the student athlete to make that money, realize their NIL and help them in any way that we can. Yeah. It seems like maybe the average person just maybe is under the impression that, okay, once this happens, it's just going to be the wild, wild West uh, you know, craziness, but it really seemed like at so many levels, whether it's compliance, getting their ducks in a row, whether it's the actual football programs that are are are, are devoting re- their resources to educating their athletes on, on what's to come, or whether it's through Open Doors or, or you guys, uh, independent company, that there's a clear structure that that is that is taking shape to. To, to assure that that ideally, um, all the almost uh, most of this stuff is above board. Is that too yeah. rosy of a of a of a of a take on it? No, not at all. You know, a lot of people you read about the NCAA's third party administrator and who they're going to choose to do that. That's all about disclosure and monitoring, right? They are choosing who they think is best to send to these universities or let these universities use that software to be able to monitor and disclose the deals that are happening. That's all that the third-party administration tag has to do with. And and we know as a marketplace that we cannot have official business with the universities. I mean, if you read the state laws and if you read some of the proposed federal legislation, you know, one would think based on how those are stated and how they read from a legal interpretation when it says universities cannot directly or indirectly cause compensation for student athletes, you know, it seems like if a, if a university is paying a company for a service, it might be tough for that service to help cause compensation for the student athlete. That's why we're agnostic. That is why we sit separate of the universities, but in arms with them saying, hey, we don't cost a penny. We have no official business contract with you. If your student athletes utilize Icon Source, we will protect them and give them a safe and secure platform to do their NIL endorsement deals, all the while providing you with extreme transparency, providing you with real-time disclosure into whatever disclosure platform you wish to utilize. That is how we are in a unique position. And then the fact that we do deals every day with professional athletes and that our model is proven gives us a leg up on all the competition. So that's why we have been in that lane. And that's why I think when the federal legislation hopefully gets passed later on in June, it will clearly state, hey, these companies can do X, Y, or Z. We know that. We're not trying to do everything under the sun. We are experts in our particular field, and we want to provide that expertise for student athletes so they see a lot of the benefit. So obviously a lot of different parties, including you, have an interest in in all this being above board. But what about the below board instances of a I don't know, a car dealer 
you know, sort of ostensibly paying an, uh, an athlete a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand dollars, but then saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to give you a hundred grand under the table um, because you came here. What are your, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah. Okay. A lot of the federal legislation clearly states that pay to play is going to be strictly prohibited. So they will have hopefully huge ramifications if that were to be found out happening and what is pay to play pay to play is just that a car dealership or whatever a local bank offering a high school prospect x amount of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars if when they sign that university then the transaction happens that that can't happen the ncaa wants to allow student athletes to be compensated off their individual name image and likeness but also uphold amateurism i think everybody agrees with that right this is a bipartisan issue we want to make sure it's done the right way. I think it will be done the right way. So much fatalism is talked about with this specific new Wild Wild West, as you mentioned. But there are the right ways to do it. And it will ebb and flow from July 1 to July 7th to August 30th to October 31st. Right? This is going to continue to evolve and change as we all enter into it. But I think the most important thing is for student athletes to understand they have to do things the right way. They have to disclose what's happening. And look, if they take a deal for $100,000 under the table and don't disclose it, then don't report it to their tax filings. It, it's a, it is a big, big, big no-no. And those education groups, the consulting groups, the brand building, marketing, disclosure, monitoring groups that work with the universities will clearly let these student-athletes know that cannot happen. And you're not only messing with your eligibility at the NCAA level if that were to happen, but from a federal standpoint, by evading taxes, that could be a huge issue. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, commercial property, land, need to consider reaching out to Uptown Realty. They're based out of Sumter and run by a friend of mine, Patrick Enzer, big Clemson guy, used to cover the Tigers in a newspaper capacity, longtime supporter of Tiger Illustrated, longtime listener to the Dubcast. The home buying process should be an enjoyable experience, so let Patrick and his staff do all the heavy lifting. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 803-774-0435 or go to UptownRealtySC.com. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as ITTE members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart neighborhood market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm Smith and Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-350. Zero seven. It seems like there's not a whole lot of interest in the general, I guess, sports loving public to really dig into this. There's not really a lot of patience for reading about it or interest in it. I mean, to the point of you still have to tell people, or at least I have, you know, on our message board, like, 
people saying, "Oh, we're we we can't have our universities paying players," and you have to remind them, "No, this is not this is not pay yeah. for play. This is a, this is this is a lot different." Do you see that as well? Do you have to to answer that a lot on on your end? And do you see the same thing that? Um, there, there's not a, like the average college football fan isn't really spending a bunch of time studying this and learning about it. Yeah. For the average college football fan, I would tell them exactly that. This is not the universities paying student athletes on top of their scholarships. The money has to stay out of the university. The money cannot flow through the university. That's why these federal legislation and state laws are being passed to clearly state that, right? These are individuals making money off their name, image, and likeness. It's as simple as that. It is earned. And and I'll say this. If JT Daniels is an icon source and he throws five touchdowns against Clemson in week one, guess what his icon source is going to look like on Monday morning? He's going to have tons of opportunity. And if he throws four interceptions and no touchdowns, guess what his icon source is going to look like? Probably not that good, right? It's a meritocracy. This is capitalism. Again, I think the the web spreads so wide and it is so great because there are producers, there are people with YouTube channels, there are people who have great reach in their local communities who may not be football stars, who may have a lot of value with local brands, who local brands want to engage with because they can speak authentically about what they are promoting. And then you have your stars, your Heisman finalists, your Naismith finalists. We talk to gymnasts with millions of followers on social media. We talk to soccer players who are going to be competing in the Olympics. We talk to golfers who are going to be on Golf Channel this weekend competing in the national championship. Right? Think about the non-revenue sports. Of course, we all think about the revenue sports. Think about the niche markets that these sports have and the, and the insane followings that they have. There is so much opportunity here, and they all need a common f- platform to facilitate those endorsement deals and engage with local brands, and that's what Source provides them. Yeah, I've always, I've always thought about, you know, the in terms of the name, image, likeness <laughs> topic. Excuse me. You know, there are there are so many examples of of. of Big-time college athletes who have supreme marketability, who who aren't able to translate it to the NFL and, and parlay that into in, into into a lot of money. Uh, I'm thinking of you know Taj Boyd was a yeah. super superstar in college, and Ben Boulware was a was a you know, yeah, not an NFL guy either, but a stud linebacker for a national championship team. And you're thinking. Man, if I'm in those guys' shoes, or or Keith Marshall's shoes, you know, who who's you know for whom injuries derailed his, his career, you know, you're talking about four, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. I'm just pulling that out of thin air, but that's quite a nest egg to start whatever endeavor you want to after you get done with college. So that's uh, to me, that's the best argument for allowing these kids to. Uh, to, to take advantage of that because not all of them are, are destined for, you know, to be millionaires in the NFL. Yeah. It's a great head start and they earned it. Ben Bulware earned that. Taj Boyd earned that. Keith Marshall earned that, right? It's not like people were just giving it to him because of his name. I mean, Ben Bulware was an absolute savage on the field, fun as hell to watch, made plays all the time, helped Clemson win a national championship. He, he earned that right to be compensated off his individual name, image, and likeness. And now I believe he's back in the Greenville area making a great impact on his local community. People love to engage with him, interact with him. He would have made a boatload of money. 
Taj Boyd, the same way. I know Taj. Taj, I think, lives in the Greenville area t- still, too. Why do you think those guys come back and live in those hyper-local communities with great Clemson reach? Because that because people respect them. People want to be around them. People want to do business with them because they're good guys. They're smart. They're hardworking. And they respect them off of what they did in that Clemson jersey. So those are two great case studies for Clemson. There are guys on the team this year like Balen Spector. Balen Spector is going to be just like Ben Bulware. And Clemson's going to have a great opportunity to make it back to the college football playoff again. And I would hope that he would go to Icon Source, create a profile, talk about his likes and interests, talk about where he's from, what city he's living in, and then brands can build endorsement opportunities based on what they want to be spoken about and somebody like Balin Spector would pop up and they'd go, wow, this is a perfect fit for our campaign. Let's engage with Balin and offer him an opportunity through icon source. That's what we do. We, we want people to be individuals. We want people to talk about what they do and don't like. We want student athletes to be able to leverage their name, image and likeness and make money off of it. So uh, let's say, let's take it away from the JT Daniels local business a hypothetical and toward say um, an Instagram, I don't want to say influencer cause that's kind of lame, but, but like Lo- Logan Rudolph, uh, former Clemson tiger, who's defensive end, he, he quit football because he wanted to pursue an acting career. And he's, he's absolutely hilarious. Um, he still posts on Instagram. So if I'm Logan Rudolph and I'm a Clemson player and I want to regularly post funny videos of me, doing various skits on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, how do I then translate that into to money? And then how do you guys come in in that type of instance where it's not a physical, you know, brick and mortar business that you're dealing with and it's more uh, YouTube impressions or, or Instagram, um, you know, views and things like that? Yeah. So, you know, we have social media activations on icon source, which is an opportunity to where people can post stuff and get paid for it. We have digital media shoots like commercials, whether the student athletes creating video content on their own for a brand or showing up and shooting for a brand. We have speaking engagements and we have appearances. Really anything can happen on icon source, which is, which is awesome. Um, you know, for those instances of like turning on your ad revenue share on YouTube or allowing, uh, co-branded Instagram posts. I mean, that would go directly to the student athlete. They wouldn't need icon source to do that. Um, but a great example was a punter at Ohio state years ago, drew Christman, who kind of went viral for trick shot punting and water bottle flipping. You know, he could turn on his ad revenue on YouTube and get checks monthly based off how many views they have. That's just one Avenue of how these student athletes are going to be compensated. So that, again, that individualism, that engagement with the audience, that, you know, wanting to talk to reporters. I think it'll help you out a lot, Larry. Like student athletes are going to want to show a, a, a better side of themselves to maybe entice a brand to reach out to them. I, I think this is something where a, li- a rising tide lifts all ships when student athletes are going to truly understand the power that they have to make some money. You hit on a key part of this a few minutes ago and that it's not just the Trevor Lawrence's and the football and basketball superstars who are going to be a big part of this is also you mentioned you know all these minor sports are their own silos that 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 have tremendous interest in within those within those spheres and so you think about it you put yourself in the shoes of a gymnast who has some you know really unique 
uh, industriousness of, of, of whatever they, they, you know, post that goes viral or whatever on Instagram or whatever it is. And, and, and those, those kids aren't on full scholarship. And so, you know, you, I, you think, think to some of the, some of the kids who in the, in, in recent years have, you know, generated such a following or popularity that would have translated into revenue. And they're sitting there in the real world right now, paying back their student loans and thinking, yep. man, I could have made, I could have made like $300,000 and not be paying, paying off my debt right now uh, as a result of this. So that's another kind of interesting way to think about it that probably the average sports fan isn't. Yeah, you, you would be amazed at the brands that are contacting Icon Source right now, getting ready for July 1st in the five states that have passed laws. And they're building opportunities, and they can't see any student athletes that are on Icon Source right now on the college side. All college athletes' profiles are locked and hidden until their respective states change the rule and they can be compensated. Then they will be visible on Icon Source to brands. Um, hopefully federal legislation sweeps all 50 states by July 1st and therefore on July 1st, Icon Source will have thousands of student athletes on there to engage with brands. But brands, based off the PR that we've received over the past two months, are signing up on Icon Source daily. They are utilizing our platform and they are creating opportunities to send to student athletes on day one. And you would be amazed at the amount of brands that are doing that. Uh, you would be amazed at the dollar amounts that they are creating for these opportunities. And you would also be amazed at the wide variety of student athletes that they want to engage with. I'm talking all sorts of brands. Any of your listeners right now, whether they're in the upstate, whether they're down in Charleston and low country and they're Clemson fans, or they're anywhere around the Southeast. If you are a small business owner or a large business owner, sign up for icon source. It's totally free. Iconsource.com. We have an, uh, we have an authentication process that's going to make sure that you are who you say you are. We don't want Joe Schmo LLC to, to log on to Icon Source and send sketchy deals to student-athletes. We want to work with real brands that want to engage with student-athletes, and we encourage those brands to do that because we are providing you the platform to do it the right way. The biggest no-no in college athletics is about to become legal, and we understand this is the biggest change in over 100 years for the NCAA. We want to provide brands – and student athletes, the peace of mind and confidence to come to Icon Source and take part in this historical change and do it the right way. You mentioned this is the biggest change in 100 years of the NCAA. You can't have that with it being 100% positive. There have to be some, some, some negative unintended consequences. What do you think the most legitimate skepticism of this is that you've heard? That's a good question. You know, I, I would be really interested to see just how much happens at the start. You know, I, I think we all get so excited about it because we work in it every single day. You know, we have to take a step back and say it's not going to be a massive windfall on July 1. This thing is going to continue to ebb and flow. Uh, like any new industry, there will be bumps in the road. Uh, but I think being a software company and, and the having the ability to adapt and be agile and ask compliance officers what they want to see, ask student-athletes how we can make this better, talk to the brands and say, what do you need to see? I, I think there's just going to be a lot of uncertainty, but that comes from the unknown. So that would be my biggest worry heading into this. But having the ability to be transparent and open lines of communication is how you overcome something like that. So we're looking forward to having real engagements with these brands, universities, and student-athletes and making sure that we can answer uh, as many questions as possible and do this the right way. 
there are so many layers of structure as, as we talked about, you know, keeping this from being a distraction to these kids. And of course, if you're, a, if you, if you're a head coach or even an assistant coach, that's your, probably your chief concern is that this is not a distraction because coaches hate distractions despite all of these, all of these, uh, all of the structure that's going to be in place to assure that it's not a distraction. These are still kids. These are still 18 to 22 year old kids. Is that a legitimate concern that, 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 that uh, a player can get so wrapped up in his latest posting his latest YouTube video, um, you know, after a game or before a game uh, that it can have some negative consequences that way? Well, you know, they're going to be drinking out of a fire hose with the education surrounding NIL. You know, the, the companies that these universities are hiring, the universities themselves, they are going to be firing at every single angle, do's and don'ts, rules and regulations, how-tos to their student athletes when this thing turns green on July 1 in those respective states. To your point, though, look, if you don't play well on the football field and if you're not taking care of your business during practice and, and allowing yourself to succeed on game day, regardless of what sport you're playing, you know, your opportunities to be compensated for your name, image and likeness go down. If you don't do well in the classroom and you can't stay eligible and now you can't even play your sport, your opportunities for NIL go down. I think this is a great opportunity for student athletes to understand if I take care of my business and best position myself, things will start to happen. And, and, and this all helps to allow a student athlete to be compensated. You know, doing well in the classroom uh, allows you to focus on the athletic field, which allows you to hopefully perform at a high level. And then NIL can follow that. I, I think that is really the messaging that should be sent to these student athletes to where you need to do great in all aspects, and that will only help your NIL. If you don't, then NIL is not going to be a great concern for you because a lot of opportunities won't be presented to you. That, and that's, I think that's in any field in any life. What about the, uh, the whole jealousy in the locker room argument of uh, player A looks over at player B making all this endorsement money, and it, and, and it causes jealousy and dissension and all that? Yeah, I mean, that's a question that gets brought up a lot. Um, you know, I played in the NFL, and granted, I made a salary when I was in the NFL, but I didn't dislike Carson Palmer or Larry Fitzgerald because they made tens of millions of dollars every year. Uh, I understand it's completely different in college, but if you talk about guys who are on scholarship and, uh, you know, quarterbacks making a lot of money or you know, a lot of the skill guys are making a lot of money, I think there will be opportunity for linemen to, to partake in that. I think brands will reach out to the linemen and say, hey, we want to help these guys out because – Clemson goes 13 and 0. I think a lot of players on that team are going to see a lot of upside. And of course, we continue to talk about football just surrounding the Clemson and Georgia football matchup in week one. But but those are the things where I think brands understand that as well. And brands can find those players on those teams to speak authentically to what they want to promote and, and give everybody a fair shot at, at being compensated. So I don't necessarily think that's going to cause fissures in the locker room. I, I really don't. And I, I just take that back to my experience, not only as a student athlete, but as a professional athlete as well. Yeah. It's like all these potential dangers we're talking about. It, it's like, you think about them and then you come to the conclusion that, okay, the, the football programs with the best culture are going to be able to withstand a lot of that. And it's about sort of, the strength of your culture probably more uh, more than ever, and certainly Clemson has a has a wonderful culture under Dabo Sweeney. You see it that way too. Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, you know, culture starts from the top down. Uh, everybody has to buy in. There's no doubt about that, and I think that only gets intensified with NIL coming into the picture. Uh, so many people ask about recruiting differences, and so many people ask about 
how is this going to how is this going to affect what kids go to what schools? Look at the landscape right now. I, I mean, there are clearly four winners in recruiting every single year. I think there's real opportunity for schools to, to step up and allow themselves a bit more of a level playing field when NIL comes into fruition. Uh, and we're excited to, to help those schools in, the, in any fashion. So what do you think uh, Todd, uh, Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall could have made uh, during their college career? through autographs or whatever, or maybe even like a branding Gershaw campaign. Yeah, it just depends. You know, I mean, those guys were highly marketable when they were in college. You're, you're talking about two of the best running backs in the nation, two guys who were very individualized. They had nicknames, Gershaw, uh, not only here in the Southeast, but in Atlanta, uh, across the nation. Uh, you know, I, I don't know a specific dollar amount, but for sure, Keith Marshall and Todd Gurley would have made over six figures individually. There's no doubt about that. Did did the NCAA and college athletic departments sort of make their own bed here by, I mean, it's the, the money involved is going straight to coaches now, mostly to facilities and all that. Um, you had Todd Gurley, speaking of which, I mean, the dude – what did he make like three grand off some autographs and he had to sit four games i mean we vilified terrell Pryor on ohio state for tattoos was it i mean it's like a lot of this just stuff just seems kind of absurd looking back at it and do you think that that the bed was sort of made by a lot of those instances and the sort of the the conflict between or the dichotomy between coaches making who were making you know, $800,000 12 years ago, now making eight or $10 million now and seeing that, that river of money going everywhere, but into the pockets of the athletes. Yeah. I mean, those certain interests certainly push this narrative forward. Um, you know, any student athlete getting suspended four games for signing a Jersey and getting compensated where nowhere near what they should have been compensated for signing jerseys. Uh, you know, that obviously tilted the scales to say, Hey, you know, something needs to change here. And I think they're making the right step. The, the first step is allowing student athletes to make money off their name, image, and likeness. I don't believe you should cap what a coach can make. Uh, I don't believe you should cap what a student athlete can make off their name, image, and likeness. I think you can be paid for what you deserve. And I think that this is a great opportunity for student athletes to get a seat at the table and say, Hey, you know what? Now I can capitalize for my individual name, image, and likeness. And really appreciate that opportunity to do so. So this is a great, a great first step by the NCAA, hopefully, um, but specifically by these states who have enacted these laws for July first. Would you be in favor of actual pay for play? And did you? No, 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 and, I, and no, I'm not in favor for that. Uh, I think it's one way too complicated. You can't have the universities pay the student athletes. Title IX comes into effect. Um, you know, then student athletes would become employers of, excuse me, employees of the university. Then their scholarships would have to be taxed. It is a way too slippery of a slope. There's no way I believe that you could do it on a fair scale. Uh, so I am not in favor of that at this point, but I am 100% in favor of student athletes being compensated for what they deserve. Did you study at Georgia journalism communications? I think I, I saw on a podcast with the Georgia. Yeah. Journalism. Yeah. I graduated with a journalism degree from Grady school in journalism. Um, I did telecommunications, which is the business of radio and TV. And then I started my master's in sports management, but you were not able, like your, your football demands kept you from, 
from doing some of what you wanted to do in college and undergrad. Is that did I hear that right in the podcast? Yeah, that's correct. I was going to be a broadcast journalism major. Georgia obviously has a great broadcasting school, great broadcasting alumni, and you had to work at the specific radio and TV station for a semester. So in the fall, I couldn't do that because of our demanding schedule, and in the spring, I couldn't do it either because of workouts and spring football. Yeah, people some people don't really understand that either. Like in a lot of instances athletes uh, aren't able to to take the majors they want to because it conflicts with the year-round demands of, of, of their sport. Yeah, it's just one of the sacrifices you have to give up as a student-athlete. You know, there are a lot of privileges that be, that come with being a student-athlete, but you do have to sacrifice some, and, and I think most student-athletes understand that for sure. And you, uh, lastly, you you, uh, you have some history with Chandler Catanzaro, I guess. You want to want to share some of that? Oh yeah, Catman is is one of my closest friends. He was the kicker for the Arizona Cardinals uh, when I was the punter there. We were teammates for three years. Uh, you know, he kind of brainwashed me a little bit, and I do have a soft spot for Clemson. Um, but you know what? Week one of this football season, uh, that will be thrown away. It'll be a lot of fun uh, rooting on the dogs, and, and that should be a great game. How did he brainwash you? Like, what what did you what did he enlighten you on that you might not have uh, been enlightened on about Clemson before? Well, he's just a great guy, first and foremost, uh, a brother and a best friend. There's no doubt about that. But that was George's lean years, you know, 14, 15, 16. Kutrick had just been let go at the end of 2015. Kirby Smart had come. So Georgia was kind of going through a little bit of a rebuilding. And that's when Clemson was overcoming Clemsoning. So it was fun to root the underdog on, fun to see them kind of take the next step and propel that program forward. So we were out west in Arizona um, together, and it was always fun to cheer on Clemson when they had a big primetime game. How remarkable is it that they've been able to do this while in the ACC? The, the financial disadvantages with the SEC and and Big Ten are are monstrous, um, and yet Clemson has been able to to go toe to toe and beat a lot of these schools, um, not just not just head to head, but on the recruiting trail that whose bank accounts are 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 in, a, are in another another league. Just from the outside looking in. Uh, how remarkable is it that Clemson has been able to do this with, with with relatively limited resources? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think you could say they got relatively limited resources. I understand where you're coming from. I mean, what they've been able to do and, and the money that's come in through the success of their football program clearly puts them near the top of the pecking order. But Clemson's not a major public state university, if that's what you're saying. I mean, I understand that because I grew up right here in Atlanta. Uh, but you know. Winners find momentum. People want to be a part of it. I think Dabo's done a great job of controlling that narrative. The student athletes buy in. The fan base now is stretched more so than it ever has before, and it's just exciting. Clemson has a lot of excitement around them, and uh, it's it's always fun to follow along. What would be different right now had Cam Newton gone to Georgia instead of, well, I guess, Florida than Auburn? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, if he hadn't have done what he did and then had to go to community college, who knows if, if he would have started at quarterback, who knows uh, what would have happened or, or if he would have gone to Mississippi State. You know, I, I don't have the answer to that question, but it's certainly uh, certainly an interesting track for him, and, and, and he had a ton of success at Auburn. I'm just thinking Cam Newton then, 
if you get him, then you probably get Deshaun Watson. Then if you get Deshaun Watson, you probably get Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry, yeah. I, I don't want to make you upset as a Georgia guy. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it, it's it, the hypotheticals are kind of staggering. No, it certainly is. You know, Deshaun being from Gainesville, and obviously Trevor from Cartersville. A uh, lot, a lot of great talent. And you can't forget Justin Fields. Obviously, he was at Georgia and then transferred out. So, um, I like JT though, and I, I think JT is a good horse to have heading to 2021. Drew Butler. Really appreciate you joining us. Anything we haven't covered that that uh, that you want to share? I think we got it all, Larry. I appreciate you, man. I uh, I really enjoyed the time. Um, for anybody who wants to learn more about Icon Source, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Drew Butler, and if you want to sign up for Icon Source, student athlete or a brand, it's totally free. Go to IconSource.com or download our app, and you can certainly be ready for July one as this thing comes into hyperdrive uh, just here in a few weeks. All right, great stuff there from Drew Butler. Man, what a wild ride! He is in for as all this stuff changes here in the very near, very near future. Uh, we might check back with him uh, to see how all this is going, maybe a few months in as the college athletics world changes. Appreciate him joining us. Also appreciate our six very loyal sponsors for helping make this happen. And most of all, thanks to all of you for hitting that play button. Everybody have a great week. Cheers. <laughs>